All right. I think I see my voice coming in. Perfect. Mine too. Cool. It's happening. (laughs) We're here. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever interview, co-hosted interview (laughs) with uh, Derek and me, obviously. And we have our first guest, Dustin. Um, And we're really excited to dive into his business and how he's teaching online and what his background actually with teaching is. He has a great, amazing educational background. So we will get all of that juicy stuff uh, today in this interview. So welcome, Justin. Dustin. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Dustin. I said it right the other time, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. uh, Thank you for having me. It's really awesome what you're doing here. And I love that you can help provide insights to teachers who want to do something different outside of teaching. And I'm really excited to be here. So I'm excited to dive in and talk about my experience and answer some of your questions. For sure. So Dustin, I found you through you, um, not advertising, but posting around looking for podcasts to go on to talk about your business. And so I thought it was perfect because it's an education focused business and which I'm sure we'll hear a lot about coming up soon. But um, yeah, so that's how we connected. Uh, Lindsay and I don't have any connection before this. So it's, it's great to meet you. Well, no, Dave Ng, kind oh, well, of. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he brought you up to me somewhere else. I, I forget. It might have been like, hey, uh, you should have this guy on potentially, but it could have been, you know, before I paused everything. So it's been a little while, but I recently saw Dave Ng this weekend. And it when I went to your Facebook profile, Dustin, that was our friend we had in common. And I was like, oh, I think I mentioned, I've, I've heard him mention you before. So yeah, it's, it's such a small world. And I, I was right? telling Derek too, I, I stumbled upon your podcast a while back and I think I had put it away because I wanted to come back to it. And then I came across it again, talking through Derek. And I was like, oh yes, I had this, this podcast art. I, I recognize this podcast. It's just mm-hmm. so crazy how those connections get made. Yeah. That's why playing on the internet is fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we, we have a few questions, but I'm kind of curious if you could just um, outline what it is you do and like what your business is. Yeah, of course. I am currently in a transition period where we are moving from Taiwan to Los Angeles. So I was teaching at a university here in Taiwan and doing some consultation at the Ministry of Education. So helping with uh, providing insights to uh, the staff there and helping them understand what ways they can improve their English and also talking to them about maybe policy that Taiwan can consider in the English education realm. I obviously wasn't wasn't a policymaker, but I was able to give some some insights into that. That's kind of my full time or was my full time professional gig. And on the side, I was, or I am currently, now this is taking over full time because I'm in this transition period where I'm running a podcast called Board Gaming with Education and also launching a product on Kickstarter called Worlds XP. So my business is really focused around the model of providing resources like game-based learning and gamification, giving teachers opportunities to use these types of elements in their teaching. I love it. So it's meant for, is like the target market for this product like K through 12, or is it more specific than that or broader than that? The product would be specifically, yes, K through 12. Um, I'm currently 
making the rounds of, we call it in the board game community, playtesters. A lot of new board games come out and you find playtesters to try out the board game and refine the mechanics in the game. So I am in the process of reaching out to teachers to test out the Gamification Kit World's XP. And we've had as young as third grade currently and all the way up to uh, 10th and 11th grade use the kit so far. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. This must be quite a journey uh, coming up with a product like that. <laughs> and I hope we can get into that because it's definitely a different space than my business is where it's kind of just me and then creating course products for people to buy or doing services. So going out and creating something tangible and physical and something actually for education, I think is really fascinating. So I'm excited to talk about that today. Um, awesome. I'm really excited to share. I am. That's kind of something I, I've really wanted to, I guess, put on the bucket list and do is put out some sort of physical product. So mm. I'm a bit nervous because this is the first physical product I am doing and it hasn't launched yet it will launch uh hopefully in september so i'm I'm a bit nervous to see how it goes yeah what have you um what kind of got you to the point of so you did say you've kind of always wanted to put it out there um were you curious you know and exploring going into business and starting you know becoming an entrepreneur when did that start for you Definitely. I think it originally started, I I always, or I was asked this question about three years ago and I was meeting with a web developer to help me understand how to create a website. And he kind of walked me through the process and he asked me that same question. And I realized I used to wait tables when I was younger and through high school and, uh, or sorry, I started in towards the end of high school and in uh, college. And I realized that's kind of where the entrepreneur spirit maybe came came mm-hmm. from is having those tables really treating each table like a a customer and, <laughs> and pushing that bill higher so you can get a higher right? tip, tip on your end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Doing some micro sales in the restaurant. <laughs> right. Right. Um but from there I I went on to pursue a master's degree and I really wanted to focus okay. on uh, research in a field that I could transform into some sort of business. And that was my first, I guess, venture into entrepreneurship as I wrote my thesis on foreign teacher recruiting in mainland oh. China. Uh huh. Yeah. So with that, I, I wanted to interview recruiting agencies and see what kind of gaps they were filling f- or gaps they were missing for teachers and what teachers expected from them, what they weren't providing. Mm. And with that, I was offered a position with one of the recruiting agencies. And that was my first experience with entrepreneurship through or outside of teaching, I guess. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like a different model, obviously, than getting a teaching job here is going through a recruiter and getting placed in a, like in a foreign country. Right. Right. And there, it was very that's much... That's like a business. That, right. Yeah. Right. It's very much me on my own running my own like marketing and finding teachers to then funnel to this recruiting agency. So I was yep. paid like a finder's fee through the agency. Oh, interesting. Hmm. So you went, you went into grad school to get a master's with the intention of going into a business like straight away, not necessarily to go into teaching? Uh, kind of. <laughs> kind we of. ask the yes, tough yes, questions here. <laughs> I, wa- I wanted to maybe explore other options in the field of education. Mm. I think that was my main goal. I wasn't sure 
if I wanted to leave the classroom because I, I really love teaching. I love being in the classroom. And I know now that if I do any, any venture outside of the classroom or outside of teaching, I would have to keep a foot in the classroom in some mm, way. That resonates with me for sure. Mm-hmm. So your, your product, your business is a, it's a physical product in my head. I don't know why I, th- I was thinking gamification, some sort of digital add on to courses, but it's, it's like a board game that anyone could adapt to their course. Is that how it works? Right. So I think a lot of, there's a lot of people who perceive gamification and they think of like video games and, um, digital tech and a lot of this in the classroom. But with this, it's a physical card-based system where students choose a character and that character is their avatar in their classroom. And then they receive experience points. Again, there's a couple different tracking sh- systems we've came up with, but either cards or pen and paper tracking or an Excel sheet. So it's all, it's all a physical product, which is, I think, helpful, I think, in most cases, a lot of classrooms don't have access to that tech. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's good. Very cool. So yeah, you're, you're thinking kind of globally than global classrooms and schools that necessarily might not have um, access to computers or internet all the time, that kind of thing. Right. And right now my, my biggest, I guess, play testers are from Taiwan because that's where I'm he- where I'm located and I can give them the physical kit and have them test it out here. And I'm looking for play testers in the fall. So if anyone's listening and want to, wants to try it out. Cool. Fall, we're in 2019. So yeah. Right. Next year or awesome. something. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I was going to ask about, I'm, I'm thinking about how, I'd like to hear about how you can, because you definitely said Kickstarter, and I know with a physical product, um, I've watched a couple other entrepreneurs launch physical products, and you make a prototype, and then you put it out on Kickstarter. How did you learn how to do that? And um, I'd also love to hear a little bit about some stumbling blocks that you came across in kind of, you know, creating a business. um, And because, you know, I'm sure your master's didn't train you how to do that. And a lot of Derek and I, our backgrounds didn't teach us how to do what we're doing now. So just kind of like where you went to learn that and um, maybe who inspired you or mentored you. And then a little bit about where there were some rough patches, um, if you could share that. Sure. Yeah. I think there's maybe two main places where I received a lot of uh, insight and resources to build a business. And first was through my experience before I went into the game-based learning, I, I had a IELTS certification website with the, which is an English certification website for students. And mm. through that, I learned a lot of like web design and marketing and maintaining a social media account, building a community. Mm-hmm. And through that, I, I, I know you know Pat Flynn, and he was mm-hmm. a big, big That's resource. That's who I was thinking of. That's yeah. so funny. I was thinking of him with his recent launch of SwitchPod, actually. Yeah, so yeah. He, he was a big resource or other, other, I guess, influencers in that space that helped to give just kind of that basic advice mm-hmm. and then create more advanced insights or more advanced advice for entrepreneurs. And so I, th- I think... That was what helped me understand the business process and how to build a community, how to build a website, how to start a podcast. And then from there, this is maybe my, my 
I guess the most fun I've had <laughs> doing business research is I really dove into the board game community. Ah. Because a lot of my product is very similar to what it takes to build a board game. Or maybe I'm I'm using that as the angle for creating this product because there's a lot of success on in Kickstarter on board games. And I don't know the exact numbers, but something like 60-70% of the sales on Kickstarter are board games. Really? Yeah. I mean, just recently there was an article where games tapped... 1 billion in sales on Kickstarter and most of that I want to say like 80% of those games were were board games. Wow. Or tabletop games, I guess. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, it you know, I do see like bars and stuff that now have those themes. <laughs> Right. Like there are these board game bars. And like, I like to do that with friends. I think, you know, a lot of us are trying to find ways to be more social in a world that's putting us behind our computers. And so this, this kind of return, not that like board games are analog, but this idea that like getting, like heading over to a friend's house and whipping out a board game is actually something that we do somewhat often. (laughs) Derek's mom is really into board games. Yeah, but it's, I always share the, like, you know, a lot of people our age and younger are into tabletop games, board games, like getting together with friends is like, that's a thing you do now. I mean, totally. That's what I mean. Like, and I, I guess I didn't put it together that there's new ones getting created all the time. And yes, of course they're on Kickstarter because someone has an idea and the the notion that you can get funded to make the thing happen, I mean, it's, it's such a great kind of low-risk way to get into entrepreneurship. And I know I used to talk about that a lot on Academics Mean Business. It's like we live in this era where we can kind of start a business relatively easily with not as much cash startup as we need. Um, and when you have a service, it's just you. But like when you can crowdsource, obviously, crowdfunding is a huge way to get going too, especially for physical, because I'm sure that's such a stopping point to get something made, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think, I mean, you, you hit it spot on the barrier to entry for starting a business is so much lower today. But mm-hmm. Even, I mean, I would say that that has definitely been, that's been one of the challenges. One of the struggles is bootstrapping the business is I have to find the funds and I'm always talking to my wife like, Hey, I, I need to fund the art for this because now on Kickstarter, you can't just come to the platform with an idea. You kind of need all your ducks in a row. You need to pretty much be ready to go to the manufacturer to have it printed. And that's been maybe my biggest challenge is finding funds and finding resources to do that. So I'm doing, or throughout the last couple of years, I do a lot of like tutoring to pay for the website hosting, pay for the podcast hosting on the side, pay for the art that I need to get done for Mm. the Kickstarter product. So that's been maybe the biggest challenge with this new venture. Um, Because originally the IELTS, I mean, that site... I was making money with that site, but I wasn't, I wasn't as passionate about it as I am Mm. about this. So I kind of made a shift about a year and a half ago. We know all about those shifts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not as big as that, but like the idea of, oh, this isn't bringing me yeah, the day-to-day joy. That's that's when it gets hard when you start recognizing that daily tasks in your business are like 
you don't want to do them. It's like, oh yeah, if I've created this job for myself, like it should be a really great job. <laughs> like I should get to enjoy it. Um, we definitely had to make some pivots and changes in the way we deliver because I wasn't enjoying all parts of the business for sure. So I hear you on that. Yeah, I agree. I think, and one important thing is, and I know Pat Flynn talks about this and I know other entrepreneurs talk about it as well. And just other people in other spaces to know why you do it. And I think that's important to get you through some of the things you're not as excited about, but as Mm -hmm. long as you know why you're doing it, I think, I think that helps to push through. So why are you doing what you're doing then? Let's talk about that. (laughs) I set myself up for that question. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, actually I just love how I've seen the impact that games or game-based learning can make in the classroom. And I think that, no, it may not be able to be applied to everything you do in the classroom, but by just bringing in some elements can really, I think, do a lot for your class and a lot for your teaching, a lot for your students. And I really enjoy meeting new teachers who are doing the same thing. And that's, I mean, Mm. I was talking on my podcast recently. I've learned so much through that podcast and I I can't see myself not doing it now because... Mm. Just the amount of amount of information and resources and people I'm meeting is invaluable, I think. I love that. So is your product marketed towards t- individual teachers or is it the schools themselves? Like who who are you trying to reach out to to get to purchase the, the board game, the board, yeah, the product itself? I would say the product launch is for individual teachers. I'm really shooting for like a minimum viable product the most mm. basic thing I can get out there and see if it's something teachers are interested in. Cause I've had a lot of feedback from asking teachers, like, would you be interested in this? Is this something that you would maybe consider using in your classroom? What kind of things would you like to see in a kit like this? And I've had feedback from that, but will people want the product when it's there and able and you're able to purchase it or not. And I want to figure that Mm. out. If so, then I hope to scale it. Maybe I can come to schools with the kit as well and offer it to maybe departments. I mean, there's whole schools who have a gamification model in their Mm. schooling system. So I think it's, I think it's something that like is really resourceful for engaging and motivating students too. Yeah. So there is growth behind it because, yeah, you could sell to entire schools, right, where they could fit the appropriate classrooms with it. Very cool. Are you thinking, too, like, I want to have like 10 games and you basically become like a tabletop classroom (laughs) store or something like that? Uh, yeah, I would say that's definitely long term. I mean, I yeah. I design games on my own for fun too because mm. that's it's just uh, maybe a hobby at this point, and that's something I hope to maybe eventually do is launch a board game that's not necessarily classroom resource mm. or classroom mm-hmm. tool, but just a board game. Um, but again, it's it's all about uh, bootstrapping that. I mean, for sure the startup costs for something to get it going and then put it onto Kickstarter is not a lot compared to other business models, but it's still, it's still a good chunk of money. True. And I I think I saw Pat Flynn actually talk about, you know, kick uh, or whatever it's called uh, switch pod. And, um, 
Yeah, it's a little more competitive now. You know, it's not the early days of Kickstarter anymore. And so you do have to look pretty legit and have some really great, like engaging promo material and all that stuff. And so um, that's not easy necessarily to do. Um, You can teach yourself, right? And um, there are free resources online that will help you create it. But it's hard when you see some really beautiful stuff out there and you know they have you know, backing and and money backing and that kind of thing. So I totally uh, could see, but I've never, I, yeah, Kickstarter is a whole other ball game. I've bought lots of things on Kickstarter. So there's that, but as far as using it as my, in my business, that seems really scary. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's, it's true. I mean, it's, you almost need people to try the product before you launch it on Kickstarter. Now it's like, yeah. What came first? Yeah. This like, that's one challenge I'm coming across now is like I was trying to reach out to teachers in the summertime and apparently teachers oh, yeah. don't teach in the summer and trying to find <laughs> teachers to just try it out and give me some feedback, good or bad. Just let me know what I need to improve or change, what worked, what didn't. And any testimonials are super helpful for the product launch as well. Sure. I almost wonder if there's a market in like um, homeschooling, like parents that, mm. that want to do something with their their kids. I don't know how hard that is to get into that market, but I feel like they're pretty tight-knit and have like good social networks and Facebook groups and that kind of thing. Yeah, I've I've been given that advice and, I, and you're right, and I just I, I need to make the effort to look into that market a little bit more. I mean, it's it's been a struggle also tapping into the education market. Mm. So, I think I don't know, like I've had I've had issues trying to post it on Reddit and I'm not trying to self promote too much, but at the same time, like I want to get this product out there and see if it's something teachers want. Mm. Um, so, and then some Facebook groups I've reached out to, but I do know that I've had some homeschoolers reach out to me to play test it as well. Um, kind of lost communication with them. So maybe I need to check back in and see, see how they're, how they're taking to the kit. Cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think I, uh, I, I don't know if you want to speak maybe a little bit. I'm sure some of our listeners might be wanting to serve the education market. Um, and especially if they're coming in with that knowledge, it makes sense to either teach other teachers or create things for classrooms. So can you maybe talk about some of the obstacles or things that have come up around um, actually serving the education market? I think one thing that is very beneficial and probably applies outside of education, outside the education market, but even more so in the edu- educational sphere is give more than you take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think one, I realized maybe in the past I had like posted in some Facebook groups and how I kind of worded my message was not as clear as I wanted it to be. And it was more like, hey, put my product on your show. But it's more like, I have this product. If it's something you're interested in, maybe we can collaborate and I can share it with your audience. And I'd be happy to also have you on my podcast or help you to connect to more, uh, more of an audience through my audience as well. Mm. But I think that's one one thing is give more than you take. And I think that applies to anything, even building a community, you 
you don't True. want to you don't want to ask for money the first thing you do as as you start and you don't want to sell a product the first thing you do when you start you kind of want to build a community give them some some resources some valuable uh, content and then from there you can provide a service or provide a product to that community because you you know that community too mm-hmm. where do you see like some of the skills that you've learned either like in the classroom or with, you know, your research that you've done, uh, how that's benefiting you in kind of launching this business? What skill sets are you bringing from being in the classroom to making money online and selling these tabletop games? Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) maybe you could, you both can answer this question too. One thing is organization. I mean, I teach Mm -hmm. at a university here in Taiwan and I was I was assigned two writing courses and one class had uh, almost 55 students and this is a writing course and then the other class had 35 so I have to wow I've tracked these students essays and their grades and and that's just those two classes I was teaching four other classes three other classes that semester um, so organizational skills like keeping track of student grades. Like for me, I've built a spreadsheet of potential customers who interacted with my brand in some way and maybe their willingness. I kind of created a value or a point system based on their willingness to back the product when we launch. So there's a 10 point scale. Have they reached out to me wanting to play test? Okay, they they move up in the scale. Have they given me some feedback? They move up. Have they completed the survey that I asked them specifically? Mm. Are you willing to purchase this product? Okay, what is their number? Well, I'm going to put them at a 10 because they said they're, they're 10 to purchase the product. So organization for sure. Yep. I like how you gamified your own uh, customer base and audience. <laughs> yeah. I know. Are you getting points. ideas, Derek, here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, the people charge big bucks for that kind of scoring, right? Like it's true. active campaign, the higher tier does that. Yeah. Some CRMs right. do that. <laughs> right. I, I, and that's a big market to the gamification consultation for companies. Um, yes. But I would say organization and also just confidence, maybe. I mean, hmm. I have a story for my my very first year teaching is I was teaching in Korea and I was not teaching or I was not speaking loud enough in my demo classes and my head teacher because I worked at like an after school like academy for English language learners and my head teacher he pulled me aside and we went into the classroom and he played um, a pitbull a Pitbull rap song, like hip-hop, Pitbull. I don't remember the exact song. And he played it and he told me, now teach. And so I had to (laughs) teach over that music. But that was my first experience in growing confidence in the classroom. And then that carries outside of the classroom as well. That's a funny exercise. I've never heard of that. I like it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think confidence is huge. So how does that play out, you think, in business then? I would say when I'm when I'm meeting with people that are interested in the product, I also need to kind of understand how to explain what is this to them. Yep. Uh, get that elevator pitch down and be able to sell the product or sell the idea in a sense that this is something that I believe in 
And in the classroom, I'm doing the same thing. I'm selling knowledge to my students. It's something I believe in that is valuable for them to learn. And if I'm not sold on it, if I'm not confident on it or with it, then I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell it. They're, they're just gonna shut off in my classroom and they're gonna turn away if they're a customer. Derek, that's what I always say, right? We, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm snickering because yeah, you're echoing things as Lindsay says, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I always say that teaching is selling and selling is teaching. And I, when I made that mindset shift for myself in my own business, yeah, as I'm pitching, well, in the early days, services where I was helping them with like create their course and curriculum design and that kind of thing. And then now even on a webinar or whatever way I'm kind of communicating with my audience, I believe too that teaching has a form of selling that's happening in the classroom. You're getting people to see the world in a different way. You're shifting their perspective. Um, you're making them think differently. All things that is a version of, you know, kind of persuasion in so many ways. I know that is negative in a lot of ways. And, and so I don't mean it entirely, but there's, it's the same process. Like if someone, to get someone to believe in you and your product is the same thing of getting a student to like see things in a different way or like literally believe you, I guess, as well <laughs> from a like what you're teaching perspective and to get into theory and all the stuff that is super abstract. I think that's our job as educators um, in a classroom for sure. I couldn't agree more. I think you're right. Um, I think that when we are in the classroom and we're if we go a little bit deeper we have to we have to also like you said believe in our ideas and if we're not mm. if we're not happy in the classroom our students yes. aren't going to be happy in the nope. classroom and if we consider that from that mindset that you mentioned i think that's that's really helpful as a teacher and when we enter the classroom is believe in our ideas and sell our ideas to our students how are we going to do that totally yep same same in business right yeah, same in business, for sure. What about the flip side about it? What do you think are some of the tough things that we bring from being educators that like are holding us back maybe in business? This is, I think, one that I, I struggle with a lot is is the idea that we're making money. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, that thing. The whole money yeah. thing. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's It's should I be giving away this product mm. to educators because they're teachers? They, they should be, they shouldn't have to spend money on this, you know? And it's hard to put that aside because, and I, I don't know, I still haven't kind of came to terms with that, I guess. And I know it's crazy to think about that, but for me, that's something that I think that stops me from saying like, well, I'm a business. I need to make money if, if I want to be able to better serve teachers, I need the resources to do that. Yes. Yep. It's the eternal struggle here. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, still that's process, where we, yeah, being worked through. Yeah. That's literally why we named the podcast what we named it because <laughs> it makes me really uncomfortable. But, you know, I, I'll say this to Dustin, and it's always something like internal. Yeah. Internal. We all have our own like money stories, right? Like, 
Um, Derek knows mine pretty intimately and um, I know his and being married is a, is a way that you really see that. And I think um, so much of what we know and believe about money is something that we observed as kids and obviously something that we see in social media and um, on television. And, and I was a sociology professor, by the way. So I think about how these structures have impact on us. And so, and then we became teachers and we joined, you know, public education and the idea that we were teaching and giving away our knowledge, not for free. I mean, we were salaried paid, but our students weren't customers. They were customers of the state, if you want to go that far. But like, they weren't directly paying me. So I never had that connection to, yeah, that exchange of funds, like someone buying to be in my classroom. To me specifically, it comes to my account. And I have control over how much I charge. So that's like the other side of it, right? So when I zoom out and say that, uh, yes, teachers, I would say one of the hardest things about running a business as a teacher is recognizing that our knowledge is valuable, um, that we can help. I think, I believe that we are positioned extremely well to actually move societies forward in lots of ways. And so now we're just doing it outside of this publicly funded place and are doing it within the space of, um, you know, something for profit and recognizing that the more resources we have, the more we're able to impact people. And so it's less about selling that one individual board game to that one teacher who is trying to make ends meet and recognizing that your business uh, needs resources to be able to help even more people and to be able to give back because you could have, you know, buy one, give one kind of campaign, which is also really popular right now as far as uh, business models as well. So there's lots of ways to think about it, but I am with you on this and I've been working on it a lot. Um, and it's hard, like there's no prescription either. Like, again, like what, however I grew up, however I was raised, the stories I told myself about money is something that I've been facing for basically the last year. I've been doing a lot of inner work and my stuff is going to be really different than yours. Um, you know, the way I grew up. So I think, um, I think just even openly having this conversation and presenting other ways of being educators, right. Is, is kind of the goal of the podcast in a nutshell, I would say. I would say that's, I mean, that's a hundred percent spot on and it's really great advice because it's something that I needed to hear. So I know there's another listener out there that, that needed to mm. hear that same advice. It's 100%. It's true. Yeah. I mean, can't help other people if you're out of business. So it's true. Yep. Right. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And you can't be your best like expression of yourself too if like you're barely making it as well. Like then it you can't pour into your your prototypes or you know knocking on doors or all that stuff if like you're not taken care of, you know. And I know that there's a lot of people probably probably listening who might have a full-time like teaching job. And so in those days of building that thing on the side, it um it's great when your job can support you in that. But like Dustin, you're moving into full-time version. So are you going all in on the business then, at least in the time being? For the time being, yeah, I guess um, I am applying to positions in LA, but it is kind of mm. late in the summer. There are yep. sometimes some late postings. I'll probably do some substitute teaching in the meantime, but I might pick up uh, this is kind of a long-term project is I want to start a board game school kind of mm. 
applying game-based learning in after-school programs by like reaching students that are maybe struggling in a science class and then hiring a teacher that wants to use game-based learning to tap into what they're studying in school to hopefully engage the students in the subject matter. So I will be doing some like side projects as far as uh, weekly board game nights for students or um, there's a really great board game company called Genius Games and they only release science-based games. So I was thinking mm. about doing like a, a month-themed science based board game night and students can come play a science board game for for a couple hours oh that's cool that's a great idea that's interesting i wonder how many teachers get into business with the end goal of opening the school i feel like it's got to be pretty Mm. high (laughs) teachers going into business are like yeah i can make a bunch of money for myself or i could open a whole new school and do it totally differently because i've seen you know you look at your own schools and i could do this better (laughs) right yeah and I think and I think for me that sparked like in when I first went to Korea and there's schools as a business model in Asia is huge it's Mm. not students are not students they are customers (laughs) and we need to keep those customers happy keep the parents happy so they come back to their school the end goal is not necessarily to learn or improve the language. I mean, of course, that is probably going to make a happy customer, but the short term kind of gets in the way of that. Make sure the students are happy. Make sure the parents are happy so they come back to the school. Hmm. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I wouldn't say all schools are like that, but that's, uh, of that's course, yeah. definitely yeah. a big part of a lot of uh, the business model for schools in, in Asia. Hmm. So, oh, interesting. So that kind of where I realized, oh, you, you can start a school. I didn't, I didn't know. Right. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. We, we're talking with people who are going through accreditation and such starting a, a some sort of program. It's really interesting. Yeah. Just that it's mm-hmm. even possible mm-hmm. to do it on an individual level or a, a small scale, much smaller than like what you probably picture for a school or university. Right. And I'm sure that would make a really great podcast episode two is talking to someone going through going through that experience because I know or I, I assume I haven't done a lot of research but I assume there's a lot of uh, certifications you have to get mm-hmm. gotta play by the rules yeah. <laughs> well cool I think this has been great great as our uh, first run through is a, a couple doing an interview right Lindsay it happened <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, could you remind me what the podcast name was? I, I didn't catch it at the beginning. Your podcast. Uh, the podcast is board gaming with education. Oh, cool. Okay. Nice. And your company is worlds XP. Yeah. The, the product oh, is the product. worlds XP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can find the podcast board game with education.com and then also worlds XP.com for the product. And it will hopefully be on Kickstarter September, I'm just looking for a couple more playtesters for the fall, and then nice. we will launch it. So that's kind of the main barrier that's preventing the launch is getting some more testimonials. For sure. Well, listeners, if you're interested, reach out to Dustin and if you want to be a tester for his product, I think it would work great. Yeah. <laughs> is that the best way to get a hold of you is, is those two websites or do you have some other social handles you want to share? Yeah, the website's great as well as any social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
That's Board Gaming with Education. And then the email is podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. Perfect. Cool. Awesome. Well, it's been really fun learning about you and your business, and I'm excited for what's in store for you. You got uh, quite an end of the 2016 year. 2016. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. What is that? I don't know where that came from. I think I was thinking about my own <laughs> academic life ending in December 2016. I, I just projected that onto you. Um, We're starting fresh from very back in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, starting over, right? Um, no, but like 2019, it sounds like it's going to be a big second half for you. So looking forward to tracking your journey. Yeah. Thank you guys for very much for having me on. And it was a lot of fun. I hope to hopefully connect again. Yeah. Yeah. It was great talking with you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Cool. Cool.